Hi, welcome to With Intent, a podcast from the Institute of Design at Illinois Tech about how design permeates our world, whether we call it design or not. My name is Jarrett Fuller, and I am your guest host for With Intent's second season. This season, I am turning the mics back on ID's faculty for a series of roundtable discussions and interviews that explore questions facing designers, design educators, and design students today. On this week's episode, we are talking about foundation classes. Foundation courses in art and design schools are perhaps one of the most enduring legacies of the Bauhaus. These courses would focus on materials and processes that one's design education could then be built upon. When Laszlo Moholy-Nagy started the new Bauhaus in Chicago, he reinstated these courses as core for all students. I took foundation courses when I was a graphic design student 15 years ago, and many design students today still across countless design fields enroll in these types of classes. But what is their purpose? Why has this model endured? What should foundation classes look like today to train future designers? To answer these questions, I am joined by Martin Thaler and Tomoko Ichikawa. Martin and Tomoko teach the foundation's courses at ID. Yet they both come from very different backgrounds and bring different things to these programs. Martin has taught product design and environmental design full-time at ID since 2008, after a career in industry where he worked with clients including Motorola, Gateway, and McDonald's. Tomoko has taught at ID since 1993, becoming clinical professor in 2017. Her classes focus on communication design and visualization. She previously was an information designer at Siegel and Gale in New York, in Chicago. At ID, Tomoko and Martin are thinking deeply about what today's design students should be learning and in the process are redefining what a foundation's curriculum could look like, regardless of the type of design one is interested in practicing. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Martin and Tomoko. Martin and Tomoko, welcome to the first episode of season two of Within 10. It's really good to, to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. This episode is all about sort of how we become designers and sort of what it what it means to study design today. And one of the legacies of of the Bauhaus was this idea of the foundations courses, this sort of set of courses that every student would take that sort of level set, give everyone a, a sense of both sort of tools and ideologies and you know, kind of ways of thinking to be a designer. And this is something that Maholi Naj brought over when he started what is now the Institute of Design. And in preparing for this and thinking about talking to you, I found a, a memo of what would what what would be taken in the in the foundations courses when when the school was started. In the first semester, he writes that the emphasis is on tools, technique, and analysis of form and space. The second semester is on technical perfection and further analysis of form. And then the third semester is on presentation and sociological functions. And so, Marty, I kind of want to start with you. I'm wondering, kind of hearing that, how does that, um, how does that ring to how you think about foundations courses today at ID? I mean, I think all those, those elements are still there. It's just... I mean, when you, when you said it just now, it's like, wow, he had a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's three semesters. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like we, the foundation course now at ID is, is a single 14 weeks, so 14 sessions. 
and the topics are, are of course, changing due to the culture. But we still want to maintain that, that baseline. One of the interesting parts of what we, what the challenge is at ID to cover enough information at the right pace that students can learn without getting overwhelmed. And design is, is just so vast. That's a kind of difficult thing to do. I don't know. Tomoko must have another answer to continuation. <laughs> In the 85th uh, anniversary exhibit, Marty, I found um, a graphic that I actually took a photo of, and it was a graphic visual of the I don't have the um, the captions. So I don't know what it is, but it's got semesters going. It's got these bullseyes, and the element and the components of them, especially in the first two semesters, are, and it sort of harkens back to what Jared had originally said: elements of design, materials and tools, techniques, social context. And I use a framework at the beginning of my first week, actually, to sort of situate the students in terms of what they're learning. And, um, you know, we separate the 14 weeks into the first five weeks is all about elements and concepts. What are the elements of two-dimensional design, like topography, like graphic Mm -hmm. elements, um, like imagery, and then sort of the techniques and concepts that we use, like really important things like how do you know when you have contrast? What do you do to attain visual hierarchy? Right. And then, you know, the second five weeks of the, the class goes into applying actual information content matter so that it is about analyzing the information and figuring out how do you use those elements that we just taught you in the first third of the class. And then the last sort of capstone project is to sort of understand the social context. And so we do Mm. a live project using a real scenario and an equipment that is lacking in terms of you know, good visual design. And so we try to put that, uh, um, get the students to work on that. And when I saw this graphic, which I didn't know about, um, you know, I'm like, wow, it's kind of alarming that we, I'm still using that as a basis. And I don't know if that's good or bad, you know, should we have some evolution? But there are some things that are perennial, I think, um, that foundation students who come from a non-design background need to understand about two-dimensional design to get because I see my class as being a bridge between, and I think the foundation program is a bridge from the non-design world into a design world so that they could be proficient enough to come, go into the main MDES program. Right. I want to talk about that bridge in a second, but I want to mm-hmm. I want to go back to something else that you said earlier and, and sort of hear you and Marty t- kind of talk through this a little bit. Um, it is interesting to hear that that outline is almost the exact same as that sort of original plan and i think that the sort of uh the the perennial nature of these ideas is is key here and so you mentioned that your class is is really focused on sort of uh communication design or graphic design typography contrast sort of layout those types of things marty you come from a more industrial design background what's happening in your foundations class my my class is also very foundational i think and I also see it as a bridge. What's wonderful about it is like we get people from all areas. It's one of the few programs that, I mean, at the graduate level that welcomes students from every background. They can enter the school without a design background. Right. So that makes for a very interesting uh, work. 
many people come to the school have never built anything, uh, <laughs> like right, right. Made, made things or become aware about the know-how needed to actually build prototypes and physical objects. I mean, that is the philosophy of the school is that people need that knowledge because it's a way of thinking as a designer, whether you end up designing objects or communications or strategies or service design. It's all, I think, I mean, I've always thought of it, and I, I believe this is the philosophy of the school too. Like that's, that's all those principles are interconnected. There is some underlying structure there. We, we start with very basic modeling techniques with chipboard and used to be foam core. I'm a little concerned about the environmental impact of foam core. So I just said no more foam core. We do a similar, I think, thing as Tomoko's class. We, we try to progress you know, slowly from the early stages of making simple objects to a more complete, complex problem to solve towards the end of the semester. But it does take time. It's a field that needs iteration. Like you can't jump to something like very difficult. You have to start with the simple things and then progress. That's a struggle, you know? Yeah. What's interesting, I think, is that, you know, and I don't know, Jared, if you know that foundation is actually five different classes. So Marty's, you know, product, I mean, there's, also photography. There's also right. um, interaction design. And and all students take all five of these classes? Is that how that works? All the foundation students need to take all five classes, yes. Okay. So the idea is that, you know, we're, we're trying to make them a much more well-rounded design student mm-hmm. um, coming so that they can enter into the, the MDES program. Um, the students that we get coming straight into the MDES program who have a background in design are often highly specialized. So they're either web designers or graphic designers and they they kind of lack that well-roundedness which is required i mean our our foundation students bring in a lot that is not of design but that's extremely valuable i I mean hearing you say this is like taking me back to my own foundations classes which i have not thought about in a really long time like as soon as you (laughs) said foam core marty it was like oh wow i remember cutting foam core um and and what strikes me in thinking about this and i haven't it didn't even occur to me until hearing you sort of describe this this sequence you know my own my own foundations classes it was learning how to mix paints so you could use white and black to get like a range of grays, uh, which is something I've never done in my life since then, by the way, (laughs) or sort of basic contrast using black and white or life drawing classes in general, sort of, you know, figure drawing and pencil drawing classes. I have two questions sort of about that or two sort of things I'm thinking about and thinking about my own experience and hearing what you're talking about is one, those classes were not as someone who studied graphic design, nothing in those classes were limited to things that graphic designers do. Um, You know, I went to a school where there were industrial designers and fashion designers, and they all had their own foundations classes. I have no idea what was happening there, you know, in those classes, but I was only doing those things with graphic designers. And I think that speaks to sort of institutional boundaries and, you know, departments wanting to own things. 
And, and then I've been on the flip side as a faculty member in discussions at a range of institutions about the point of foundations. What are, what are students supposed to get out of this time? And a lot of it's like, do they still need to take life drawing or not? You know, those types of conversations. And, and I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to this like interdisciplinarity of design and the fact that you know, students are either coming in maybe with a highly specialized form of design or no design background at all, and they're all going to be mixed together and they're all going to do different things. How do you think about these are the things we think students should know as they go through their time here? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think maybe the concept of design is a little bit different compared to a more traditional design school where the you know, the two-dimensional graphic design is the end product. Right. And I'm, speak, I'm speaking like 15, 16, 17 years ago now that yeah. I was in foundation. So who knows what but it's But I like think now. that what we're asking our students to do is the communication design is not the end product. Right. We're asking the students, in the, because we are a graduate level school, the kinds of things that they think about are much more complex and big things that have to do with sustainability or healthcare, mm -hmm. you know, civic mm -hmm. design, more systems-based type of thinking or innovation. And the idea is that we are training our students with these foundational skills so that they can then participate in that larger level of thinking mm. and communicating broad ideas through either diagramming or good communication design skills or good prototyping skills to demonstrate the kinds of ideas that are coming out of the advanced classes that they'll be taking in the main program. Right. So it's not about perfecting the product design skills, or it's not about perfecting the two-dimensional design skills. It's so that they can then apply them for much bigger things. Yeah, I would second that. What I emphasize in my, it's now called object and artifacts class, is kind of understanding the design process itself, more of a, an approach and a way to communicate your ideas and create a way to think about them and present them so that people can work together on them. So the other thing they get out of it besides this ability to, once they get into the main program, to work together is I think there's a, a real strong sense of community that's built. Foundation students have, have played a strong role in the the culture of the institution of the Institute of Design. Marty, you mentioned something earlier about kind of service design and systems design. And I'm wondering how you think about how there are increasing fields of design that are almost intangible. Yeah. It's hard to actually look at the thing that has been designed. How do you think about that? Or are you thinking about that in the foundations classes when you're doing modeling, you know, or something yeah. and thinking about, what a lot of these students might end up doing doesn't actually have a physical form. How do you kind of see the connections there? Because I'm biased, because because oh, I love objects so much. <laughs> right. But I do feel like when you deal with the tangible thing and you're dealing with kind of even human-centered design, that it's easier to explain values of, of this detail or or way it the way that it fits into a system like we're doing. My last project is about the future of work, which is, you know, oh, wow. Wow. which we've been doing, but it started out as years ago, just as more like, let's do the next generation of an in-office 
product that holds your paper holds your papers under your desk like in the old days. And of course, it's become a very topical, really interesting. It's always been interesting as an object, but now it, the students have to understand, you know, get to learn to think about, you know, how their object can help people, like whether it's going to help them doing their work in a hybrid work environment or like all the, all these interesting things. And we, luckily enough, we've always had a relationship with Steelcase all these years, which has a, a fantastic research group. And now they can get ex- the beginning of exposure of kind of sophisticated research in their first semester. So it's like a testing ground, like get your feet wet. And I mean, the other thing which, you know, Tomoko and I want them to get used to is this culture of critique. And that's not easy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're telling me. (laughs) So in the main program, I mean, the ideas come from um, being able to apply various design methodologies to develop really good concepts um, that are appropriate for the context that's being you know, presented in. But the idea is that we have to communicate these ideas really well so that people can envision what it's going to be like. And so you know, that's where the communication design comes into play. It's not graphic design, it's communication design. It's very purposeful and intent-driven. So the idea of you know, uh, iterative prototyping is alive and well and how do we get people to iterate and every iteration you know you get better and better and getting the idea to move forward and so the um, ability to communicate your ideas to whomever with even if it's to your own teammates right so that you can get alignment around them right that comes from really understanding like what is it that you are trying to communicate so intent driven communication rather than form-driven communication. And I think the part that Marty talked about in terms of critique, you know, students are very frightened. Uh, they're fearful at first because of, yeah. you know, often they, they don't come from a critique culture. I, I, I pull my students every year and there's maybe one or two because they were either in creative writing or maybe in, you know, studio art, but everybody else has never been in a critique culture. And so even teaching them like the right kind of language that it's not personal, we don't use I like or I don't like, you know, um, so that the bigger goal then becomes elevating the work of the team. Because I think the multidisciplinary part, you know, big design projects, there's, it's not possible for one person to solve it alone. And there's always going to be other people that they're going to be working with. And, you know, in the main program, we do emphasize teamwork and dynamics and how do you work productively and constructively within that context. So we're trying to get them to, not just with the craft, but also with the thinking, the approach, maybe even their own identity, um, you know, changing somewhere along the line in the semester to become, to be able to say that I am a designer now, as opposed to I am an electrical engineer. Right. You know, and we try to foster those moments where that they can maybe even recognize that transformation within themselves. 
Where, if at all, does software and technology fit in here? Are, are, I imagine that there are students who have never used, you know, particular sets of software, whether that's like the Adobe suite or even, you know, web development or something like that, or, you know, prototyping tools. How, how much of this is spent sort of teaching, teaching specific tools, teaching specific software? The reason I asked that, you know, I took, I took three years of what at the time was Macromedia Flash, <laughs> um, which now doesn't exist right. anymore. Uh, and so that's like that's sort of a tension I always have with my students is how much am I teaching them software that just won't exist when they're 10 years into their field? Yeah. How do you think about that? Um, I think tools are tools. And the idea is that we use tools as a means to accomplish things. So understanding the basic principles such as contrast or you know, visual hierarchy, composition and layout, whether it's PageMaker or Quark or InDesign, right? There are those principles that the, that, or even Affinity Publishers coming up now, but uh, the ability to, you know, apply those concepts, you can even do it by hand if you wanted to, right? So the tools come into play only because that's what's existing, that particular tool is existing in this moment. And also being able to critique tools that don't do what you want it to do. We have a lot of students who end up using Figma because it's cheap and you don't have to, you know, pay a subscription, but it's limited. You don't do, you know, multi-page layout design in Figma because that's, that's not what it was made for. Right. So being able to understand what it is that they are first and foremost trying to accomplish visually or three-dimensionally, right. um, what kind of principles they want to apply, what kind of approaches, and then the tool just becomes a way to serve that aspiration. One big thing that was introduced a long time ago is to have a sketchbook. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was the, you know, we've both started teaching. I thought that was just fantastic. Chris Connolly introduced that 2008 or something. To get the students just to use their notebooks to keep track of their ideas or develop ideas or use paper. I think it's become, I don't know if Tomoko agrees, but I think because of the digital nature of what they're doing there, it's harder to get them to, to draw. It is, it, it is harder because they want to sit in front of the computer first. Uh, but yeah. if you get them to understand the process, I think they understand that actually you should work out a sketch first. I always tell them that the computer programs actually are prematurely asking them to make decisions about things before you even know. I require my students, along with their finished you know, digital assignments, to provide sketches of their idea development. My co-instructor, Jody Campbell, who I teach the class with, and I are firm believers that that is an important step for them to do first. Mm. As I mentioned, the software actually forces you to make decisions very prematurely about like, what kind of font should you use? What kind of type size you should you? And you don't even know because you don't know what the layout's gonna look like. So we have been emphasizing that a lot. And I know, I believe there have been studies done where the hand, eye and brain coordination is actually very powerful and it helps you to think about things that you may not when you're sitting in front of a computer. So yeah, sketching, we we give all of our students a sketchbook at the beginning of the semester. And last year and this year, I think, Marty, we, we tried an experiment. Um, instead of giving two separate sketchbooks for the different classes, we had them integrate both 2D and 3D classes together in one sketchbook mm. to see if they notice anything in terms of their sort of 
conceptual and craft and hand skill development. We haven't surveyed with them uh, to see what, what resulted from that experiment, but that was something that we thought maybe we could try. That's really interesting. Marty, are you seeing anything in your class in terms of your students and their sketch, sketch abilities? So there's, there's different kinds of visualization. I think it can be anything from just a good, clean sketch to we teach them Illustrator, we teach them Photoshop, we teach them you know 3D CAD just a little bit. They, they just need exposure to what's possible right. you know, in terms of visualization or, or anything in design. Like it's, it's just a whole new world, essentially. <laughs> and many students have no sense of like what is possible. Yeah. And there's so many ways to do things. And then I was going to mention one more thing about the software side. With so many things going on, the use of, say, software or like Mural to do research or to collaborate. We kind of made a, at least in my class, a a real effort to like, okay, yeah, you could work on Mural, but wouldn't it be better just to put up a bunch of images, you know, on a physical, you know, board next to you and have them Mm -hmm. always there and you walk by. I mean, I noticed that all the time walking through the studio, like some sketch that, one of my TAs does, and I know what project they're working on and with which student, and that's just fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's this awareness and using all of your senses and being aware of all the things and around you to draw on to, to develop your ideas. That physicality is absolutely critical. And I think it's because it's on all the time. It's there in front of you all the time. You know, whereas if you're working on your computer, you turn it off and you close your laptop and it's gone. Mm. And so even in getting students to sort of reflect on their own work, you know, we talk about the refrigerator test. You know, you do a little assignment, put it up on the refrigerator, walk away, go do something else, come back. And as you're passing by it, glance at it. And so you could have these, a fresh view of what you just created. And you can't do that if it's stuck in your computer. Right. You know, so the physical quality, the analog quality of the work that we do, of course, it, it would depend on the class. Like the Zach teaches an interaction design class, which is very much digital. So that would be, you know, different, uh, more appropriate opportunities for reflection would differ. Yeah. But I think for yeah. Marty and, and, and my class, I mean, we see that a lot. And uh, we, we try to emphasize that a lot because, you know, the students are very much on their phones. And that's, you know, you know, they're, if they're here to become UI UX designers, all that's, that's what they're interested in is, you know, creating apps. And that's not always the way to go, especially when you're starting up to become, you know, proficient in these concepts and skills. I, I think this like um, sort of multimodal approach, both to the things that you are designing, and I use the word things there very loosely, you know, maybe it's things, but maybe it's also messages or, or systems or even like institutions. And that the way you go about doing that, there's not one set way to do that. All of these things you're talking about are ways of working that students can adopt or not adopt as they sort of move through their careers. And I want to sort of close with a 
a flip side of, of what we've been talking about. I read a, a really beautiful commencement speech. I think it was last year's commencement speech from one of your former students, Justin Bartkus. Mm-hmm. And, and he had a line in there where he says, ID doesn't erase our unique set of skills, experiences, and quirks. Rather, it embraces them, equips them, and amplifies them. We come as engineers, architects, business folks, theologians, and we leave as engineer designers, architect designers, business designers, theologian designers. And he he calls this the dash designer, that that's what you're getting there. And I'm wondering if you could just sort of talk about the flip side of that, you know, how you think about teaching the set of skills, teaching these ways of working, teaching these processes, while also embracing and sort of like encouraging and incorporating this range of experiences that every student is is bringing in. How do you sort of think about that balance or that mix of personality types, you know, backgrounds, that sort of thing with these things you're teaching? Well, if I may, I think, you know, they're coming to the Institute of Design to become something bigger. Mm. And they're coming to the Institute of Design not to become, like Marty said, not to become product designers or graphic designers. And so in a way, they're bringing in their collective background. And during the time of foundation, it's almost like we're asking them to like, you know, squeeze into and sort of focus, hyper-focus on a part. Uh And then once they get into the main program, they expand back out again so that they could work in this much larger context of the world. And I love Justin's articulation of that, the dash designer, the design plus. And I think it it does go back to the idea that, you know, design isn't really for design. Design is for the world. So, you know, design it always works with other disciplines. Mm-hmm. A lot of times foundation students come and see the other design students doing incredible work and they you know, often feel bad about that. They come from a point of deficiency, or at least that's what they see in themselves. I am not a designer. I don't have the design skills. And we try to encourage them to say, well, you have all this other skill. It's not a deficiency. It's actually more of a strata, like layers, that you are taking what you bring and then layering design on top of that so you can go do design plus, the design dash that Justin had mentioned. And I know, Marty, you, you... so Marty's actually, he lives at the Institute of Design, <laughs> but, but he's there from seven o'clock at night in the morning to seven o'clock at night. And, you know, you go out with your students and you have drinks and things like that. And so yeah. you you have a, a much more, I think, an intimate relationship with the foundation students that they really, really value. And I'm sure that kind of conversation comes out a lot. Yeah, I mean, what do you hear from them? They're, they're fascinated by all these things. They can get overwhelmed by, I mean, look listen to the list of things they're trying to study all at once. I mean, from my, from my perspective, I, I also try to emphasize with them, they, they do have, even if they didn't go to a, a traditional design program, that they do have the beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. That can be a real advantage. <laughs> right. If you use it properly, and we've seen it over and over again, it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> but you know, part of design, I mean, which is why I hang out with them. I do think part of design is to like go through this struggle and then celebrate you've done the work and now you take a little bit of time to reflect on it. Like, right. So yeah, going back. So what do we keep? What, you know, there, you could say, I, I tell them also like Charles and Ray Eames are the ones who started this, you know, complete devotion to the idea of being a designer. Mm. 
you don't start and stop. It's like you're completely engaged with it. And that's that's where I think they start to, to get that idea. Hopefully that's they're definitely they don't have much time to do that much else. <laughs> well and what I mean what and what is what is really nice about that is it's not just that you're a dash designer or design plus, but it's that you're you're able to filter your previous work and experiences through the lens of design now. And that those also are maybe a form of design if you didn't even sort of realize that or not. Uh, and you know, in in some way that's sort of what you've been talking about throughout is that, you know, all of this stuff comes together. All of these things are ways of working that you can now go on and do different, bigger, you know, more complex things, which I think is, you know, sort of really nice message and a really nice way to, to wrap up this conversation. So Tomoko and Marty, thank you so much for this. This was really fascinating to kind of listen to you talk about your classes. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. With Intent is a production of the Institute of Design at Illinois Tech. This season is produced in collaboration with the school's 85th anniversary as part of the 2022-2023 Latham Fellowship. A special thanks to all of our guests this season and everyone at ID for their support. My name is Jarrett Fuller. Thanks for listening. <laughs>